Chapter One of Little Miss Joycing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Little Miss Joycing by John Luther Long. Chapter One What the People Said. Little Miss Joycing had contracted the habit of envy. Now there is nothing so certain to make even a Japanese girl unhappy as envy, for with that she is sure to be different from all other Japanese girls, who are diligently taught content and how to get and keep it, and to be unlike everybody else's to go the way of loneliness. Indeed, there is a proverb in Japan about interring envy as it were dead and buried, or ought to be and it was Miss Joy Singh's own beauty that made her envious, which you may think curious until you know the way of it. The people who knew her called her honorably beautiful, and those who did not know her called her augustly beautiful. It is true that Joy Singh would protest, always, that she was excellently ugly, but that is only the way of Japanese politeness, and she would look into the small round metal mirror, before which she made her toilet, and know that she was at least very pretty, if not augustly or honorably beautiful. But then, always, entered envy, discontent, for what was the use of it all? It was only on the street that people called her beautiful. In her own home, no one did, for no one came there but very old men and women, bent and seamed and bald and bearded, and they did not care much about beautiful things, being constantly anxious about the taxes, the prices of food, and their funerals. And all these things were dull and sad to Joyce Singh, so she would flutter away from them, stick a poppy behind her ear, and go out into the sunshine. Thus she was nearly always quite happy, for she dressed her own hair, made her own kimono, and helped at the housework, until she looked up the hill. Then, as they say over there, the demons came and sat upon her brow. And this too must be explained. Her father was a humble potter, and lived at the bottom of the hill in an ordinary Japanese house, with thin paper walls and heavy wooden shutters for the night, which made it look like a packing box. And all he did from morning to night was to turn his wheel, put water on the clay, fashion it into vases and teapots and sing a little you can fancy how tiresome this became by the time joycing was a considerable girl especially the singing for joycing's father like many another person who cannot sing would sing and at the top of the hill lived the prince of don't care what his splendid yashiki had windows in it and every morning from the open Soshi of her little upstairs room, Joycing could see the sun on the glass, and then the prince come forth in his glittering brocades and swords at the head of his retinue to worship the pine tree. This would set our Miss Joycing to thinking of all the fine stories she had ever heard about princes and pretty little girls, and then she would dream about this prince and herself, splendid dreams, all in broad daylight, now all this happened long ago. Alas, more explanations are necessary here. 
everyone knows that what the men of the east think beautiful we often think ugly and vice versa sometimes it seems as if it were merely a matter of having been told very often and for a very long time that a thing is beautiful to make it so at any rate so it is in the matter of pine trees in japan long ago someone made a pine tree very ugly and called it beautiful and kept on insisting that it was beautiful and so it is to-day a thing to be reverenced and it is the more beautiful the more it is gnarled and twisted and aged moreover if the gardener can make of its foliage waves and birds and beasts and clouds ad infinitum then it is very beautiful now this pine tree of the prince of don't care what was sold that no one living remembered its age but it was at least three hundred years indeed some of the wise ones the sort of people who tell the age of a horse by looking at his teeth looked unspeakably at the pine tree and said it was at least a thousand years old what do you think of that anyhow one could see all sorts of queer things in its limbs and leaves the gardeners who cared for it descended from one another so that it had always been in the care of one family and they were taught when quite young to know and to understand the habits of the precious tree exactly as if it lived and breathed but most important of all things in japan have souls as well as people the spirits of one's ancestors who have died are believed often to return and live in some object near those they have loved on earth and a pine tree is held to be a fine place for a soul to reside so that the lord buddha sometimes permits the ghost of the ancestor one has loved most to come and reside in one's pine tree thus it was with the prince's tree it had been the home of the soul of one of his ancestors from time immemorial and this was the sort of honorable mr pine tree to speak in japanese which joy singh saw from her little upstairs room every morning when she opened her soji it was so very beautiful in the japanese fashion understand and so very renowned also in the japanese fashion that the ancestors of the young prince had kept it behind the high walls of the yashiki so that no one might touch it or even see it without a permit and in charge of the gardener who carried a sword on such occasions however only a little while before this story begins when the old prince died and the young one came from the imperial university in tokyo where he had got a great deal of modern learning the corner of the old wall where the tree stood had been torn down so that anyone who wished might see it but a strong iron grating had been put up so that no one might touch it of course no japanese would have done this they were all as proud of the tree as the prince but once a foreigner had secretly cut off a slip thinking that another such a funny tree would grow from it for he only thought it funny not sacred or beautiful or the habitation of a soul the prince was warned by the older men against another such occurrence but he was the most headstrong prince of the whole line and he wrinkled his forehead into vertical lines between the eyes and said the gardener who permitted that lost his head and the gardener who stood by shivered and meant not to lose his head end of chapter one what the people said